0: I'm Aaron Green, the head of SAP Success Factors across Asia Pacific and Japan, and welcome to the People People Unfiltered podcast. Every month, I have the opportunity to sit down with extraordinary business leaders to discuss all things people experience, and I'm really excited to bring today's conversation to you. Today's incredible guest will explore, is telecommuting the new Tinder? Telecommuting isn't new. Let's not forget that the internet became widespread in the late 90s. Skype launched in 2003 and laptops eclipsed desktop computer sales around the time that we ushered in the new millennium. So for some 20 years, we've had the means of telecommuting to be the norm. However, has it taken a global pandemic for the adoption of remote working to really soar? This for me begs the question, is telecommuting the new Tinder? How do we foster these online relationships in the same way that we would offline ones? Now let me introduce Kate hamat Director of Zest People Solutions. Kate has an incredible amount of experience in the HR space, is a committed mentor to empowering women to achieve their goals, and a dedicated board member of Pets in the Park, a charity that aims to support, build relationships with, and improve the well-being of homeless people in society living with animal companions. It's my privilege to welcome Kate to People People, Unfiltered. Hey, Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, maybe you could give our listeners a bit of background on yourself and where you come from, what you do.
1: Yeah, sure thing. So, hi, everyone. My name is Kate hammett Saraki. I am the director of Zest People Solutions. I help businesses all around Australia and New Zealand and the world to do better with their people and to thrive and improve their businesses through their people and their team. I'm also an executive coach so I help individuals to do better in their career as well and with their personal goals.
0: That's awesome and you have a lot of experience as an HR practitioner in in some of your previous roles as well so I think you bring a really unique perspective today, to today's conversation.
1: I do. I am undoubtedly a people person, a people professional and have been in internal HR roles for the past 15 years before starting Zest Uh, and I have a real passion for the way that organisations engage and find and manage and look after their people. So I'm really excited for today's topic. I also like to kind of push the boundaries in my practice and the work that I do. I'm not a HR practitioner who is kind of black and white and all about the process and the paperwork. So I think this should be an interesting one for us to delve into.
0: I agree, well, let's crack into it. So look, the, you know, a challenge that I think that both telecommuting and, and online dating apps like Tinder have in common is is really the the concept of online relationship building and the the kind of fundamental difference between building a relationship offline and building a relationship online itself. Face-to-face interactions tend to be our comfort zone as people. And when you remove that ability to have the face-to-face interaction, it means that you have to build a relationship in a really different way. So I suppose my question is, as the whole world is effectively working remotely or has pivoted to some form of digital work, uh, do you see us moving permanently to a world where we may actually never meet some of our colleagues face-to-face, but we need to have deep and meaningful relationships with them.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really interesting concept to kind of mull over in terms of where is this going and where do we, you know, there's a lot of talk of the future of work. We've been talking about that for years. Even you and I have been talking about that for years. Um, You know, with, with the change that's really escalated that process through COVID, you know, is there a going back or is there only a moving forward? I mean, one thing that's interesting is I think that the global pandemic has helped some organizations that have been working in this way for a long time to kind of come to the fore and, and educate other organizations where this might be their first little dip of the toe in the water of remote working or. Um, even some sort of hybrid model to show them how it could work. Uh, you know, obviously it's interesting where there's been tech companies like Twitter that have come out and made statements like, you know, opening offices will be our decision if and when our employees come back will be theirs. I and, love that quote. You know, I think that's that kind of captures what the model could look like moving forward where having an office to go to, having a space will be really at the direction of the the business and the employer, but ideally whether employees choose to engage with that model and in what way will be up to them. And so then they can exercise a degree of, I guess, their own autonomy or decision-making as to whether that's appropriate for their health, their mental health, um, their productivity at work. So I really love that statement. But I think it's, you know, obviously humans, we're hardwired for social connection. We're, we're hardwired for that, for that interaction. And so, you know, I know from my own personal experience and clients that I'm working with and, and have been working with during this pandemic that there is a desire for people to engage face-to-face um, with people. And so as long as their employer is able to facilitate that in a safe way... Um, and a productive way, I think people have discovered a, a new level of productivity during this last couple of months, then I think people will always choose to have some level of face-to-face interaction if they can. But I also think, you know, with we've been talking for a long time again about talent and um, securing, finding the best talent. There may be the best talent in really remote locations And so if those people have no ability to engage face-to-face and they're a really valuable contributing member of our team remotely and we never meet them face-to-face, I think that's a real prospect and I think a real challenge for organisations of how do we integrate those people, how do we give them the same experience as an employee but in a different way as those people who can come to the office if and when they choose.
0: I, I completely agree, and you know it's it's an interesting one, right? Because traditionally organizations have looked at a really small percentage of uh, of employees or colleagues that would be remote workers. and so yeah. we we kind of know how to gear our organization around a kind of a smaller percentage being remote workers. and And those remote workers, you know kind of in exchange for that, they've had to learn a set of skills in terms of how to connect with their colleagues, how to how to foster those relationships where they can't be there. I like the way that you've spun this in in the sense that it's a real opportunity for employers to look for the best talent irrespective of where they are. But it still for me begs the question for for employees who are not used to working remotely and who are faced with some or full remote work, how do we teach them how to develop those meaningful relationships? What are, what's kind of the structure or the enablement that needs to happen to make sure that as you said, those experiences whether you are remote or in the office or in person, that those experiences are, are as rich and meaningful as face-to-face.
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's a, going to be a huge challenge for every organisation. As you said, you know, we might have had some small capacity, small amount of people who were working remotely, and we could figure out things around them. We could integrate them into our operations. And as you know, most likely those people were people that were much more autonomous in their work. So they were able to sort of go away you know, in their own time or with whatever measure overseeing them, do this piece of work and report back in, as opposed to more recently when we've had everyone working from home, there's so much dependency between a lot of roles and the, the real requirement that we collaborate with one another or that we bounce ideas back and forth, and that's the tough part. That's the part where I think we've been thinking about for some time the need in our organisations to really lift that digital capability, that digital literacy. And I think now we need to lift that digital literacy, but also build on the the emotional and relationship component of that. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it is definitely like a lot of things that we do in the training space, whether it's um, emotional intelligence, leadership development, this is an entire skill set that, as people practitioners, I think we need to be assessing in our organisations and upskilling in our organisations. And I'm really interested to see the different ways over perhaps the next couple of years that come out to effectively do that. For, for my own two cents, I haven't really heard of an organisation that are doing that really, really well and in a, in a really targeted and, and focused way that's getting those results for their people as well. And I think without that kind of structured learning that's provided by an organisation, people are going to do what they're doing now, which is to to fumble their way through and to to find ways to create that connection. So, you know, whether it's Friday afternoon Zoom drinks where things get a bit more informal or, you know, I've seen some great examples where um, companies will send out a box of ingredients and they'll jump on and do a cooking class together or yeah. uh, link into a, a yoga class or a hit class that can be done from home. And so I guess these kind of everyday activities, if you like, that we all do, but to do them in a way that's bringing the workplace together. But even that presents challenges, you know, being able to bridge across different time zones and find the, the overlapping time zone that works for people. Gosh, I know, getting the technology to work so that you can actually you know, who connect and see everyone and the audio works and, you know, you're on on the right time. So there's a whole raft of logistical challenges. But I think if organisations are turning their mind to that cultural and emotional element on top of the actual digital literacy and making plans that work for them and their culture, that's the best chance they have of, of Moving this new normal forward and and doing it in a really effective way.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think it's a really really solid point because the the cultural aspect for so many organisations has always been centered around you know, the the experience you'd have in the office and mm. you know, now we have to figure out how to bridge that that online or that offline experience into an online experience oh, yeah. and it you know part of the reason I love this topic is. If we think about, uh, I mean, I don't know the last time that you went on a date, but if we think about,
1: uh, long time. It's a long, long time.
0: <laughs> I wish I could say the same. Uh, <laughs> but, but if we think about, you know, ten or fifteen years ago, dating was really predominantly, you know, you you met people through an introduction from friends, or you know, yep. going to your country club, or through going to a bar or a club. I mean, there are just so many different ways to meet people, and mm-hmm. Technology got to a point where it caught up with us and yeah. it actually enabled us to really meet people quite differently. I mean, in 2014, that was kind of the explosive growth year for yeah. Tinder. And that's where they went to nearly a billion swipes, one billion swipes per day, and 12 million matches per day. And you know, this is the idea of kind of connecting people within, you know, five or ten kilometer radius yeah. and teaching people how to how to date and match effectively. And so I suppose for me, you know, we've understood, or many of us have learned how to adapt to that digital literacy of online dating, but many people still have not adapted to the digital digital literacy of not dating your coworkers, but getting to know your coworkers, getting to develop a rapport and a relationship with them where you can both have a personal aspect of the relationship, but a real professional relationship that allows you to get things done in the best possible way. So so I guess from your perspective what what learnings can we apply from something like Tinder into this literacy that we need inside of inside of our organizations
1: Is it interesting that often it's the the social cultural personal element of technology that often leads the way and that organisational technology or work technology is sort of always catching up. And so I think social media is a really good example, right? You've got the Facebooks and Instagrams that came out with these really super easy user interfaces, great user experience, and then work technology suddenly realised that all of their employees were using these sites and engaging really naturally on these sites. They didn't need training. They didn't need a whole lot of manuals. And then work technology suddenly makes this kind of quantum leap, or at least many technologies, and like SAP SuccessFactors is an awesome example, where you have to catch up to that experience that people expect. And so I think if we take Tinder as an example, people back in 2014 through to now, get used to this new way of dating. And once again, work technology, organizational technology is sort of realizing what's happening out there in the personal realm and needing to kind of catch up. And so I don't think we're there yet. We weren't weren't there before the global pandemic. And I think now it's just sped up our need to get there. But I think we will think about ways that we need to create that personal connection and that relationship with our colleagues hopefully not too many romantic ones because that can cause (laughs) troubles but i mean i'm not one to judge i met my husband at work it's one of the places that we met people and and we might meet people in the in the electronic realm moving forward so um i'm certainly not closed off to the idea but i think you know if we think about where dating started, meeting people face to face in your own circle or through circles of your circle. And, and I think if we think about a talent perspective, that's how recruitment was done at one time, right? And so okay. we, we've moved the needle forward on in that aspect that we've gotten better at casting the net wider by using the internet, job boards, um, talent pools, our systems. I think there's a, a leap forward that we make where we think about the online dating world, that that pool got broader and broader and broader, and I think we can do the same thing from a talent perspective if we're open to, if we're willing to, and if we have the right technology to.
0: I completely agree. I mean, just listening to you talk, I had this little flashback to, I don't know, it was probably 10 or 11 years ago, walking into the office and saying to my, my boss at the time, I'm on Facebook Messenger now. I think email is dead. And as it turns <laughs> out, email sadly has not has yeah. not gone gone that way. But technologies have started to you know have really emerged, things like Slack, you know really, yeah. Microsoft teams, you know, so many technologies around that kind of instant communication, that instant collaboration with your colleagues. Yeah. And I think in so many ways, you're absolutely right that the consumer lens or the consumer technology has continues to influence the the corporate technology landscape. Yeah. And so, I guess with that in mind, what does in your mind or what in your perspective, what does the future of telecommuting actually look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest barrier that we've had up to this point and possibly still have that we need to overcome is that trust. You know, this is the Mm. one key thing that will allow us to, to move these things forward is to provide trust in our employees. You know a great example that I can think of is um, Dropbox. They have unlimited leave, and lots of different companies have unlimited leave. Um, you know Netflix is another example where they don't actually track vacation time or yeah, annual yeah. leave um in relation to expenses, and their their policy is just act in our best interests. And so that they're two examples of just showing this deep trust in people to do the right thing. And I think, the future of telecommuting will come with a need for deep trust. And if organisations can't get to a point where they find this deep trust and they have this deep trust, then I think what they're stuck with is either the status quo of what they're doing now, um, which, which will leave them behind the eight ball in relation to their competition, or the new world order but without the trust, which is going to feel deeply uncomfortable for them. And so I, I think neither of those are good options. And so organisations and, and senior executive teams and boards are going to need to find their way to to get this trust if they don't currently have it. And, you know, as with with much that happens at that level, being able to see the return on investment or to understand how the trust pays off for you in in real terms, in productivity terms, in retention terms, in in numbers and metrics that matter and are measured, that's going to be the key, I think. And and organisations, I think, have been on this journey for a little while now and are probably a little bit more mature, but some organisations really maybe only just started this journey this year and only as a result of COVID, not as a result of a strategic shift or pivot that they had planned out prior to this year.
0: Yeah, it's it's almost a little bit like uh, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube.
1: No, right? no, now, that,
0: now that we've all been, uh, whether we say forced to work work remotely or you know, our work patterns have changed. Uh, there, there will undoubtedly be a percentage of you know probably a significant percentage of people who won't feel comfortable going back to the workplace for. You know, potentially an extended period of time, and I think that's where, you know, we've seen really uh, progressive organizations like Twitter and and Google and 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 Facebook, you know, really the consumer tech that we use, say to their employees, and you know, the Twitter example is spot on. Uh, kind of come back when you're ready, but it won't be before the end of 2020, and probably not until the middle of 2021. Yeah. Uh, but those are organizations that are tech right they're used to adopting technology having remote workers i think there's still a large number of industries where uh, they can't afford to bury their head in the sand around the changing nature of work any longer because everybody has where so many people have pivoted to this remote work
1: yeah and I, that's my experience many of my clients are uh, in hospitality, in manufacturing, in retail and, you know, despite their best endeavours to do as much of their business as they can remotely, it doesn't remove the need to have a sommelier choosing your wine and serving your wine or to have someone yeah. making making a, um, an amazing paint or to have someone, you know, choosing or helping you style an outfit and so there there are undoubtedly roles that just can't fall into this scope as well. And so for those employers, um, I think it's about you know reworking the physical space. Uh, and I think we would be silly if we didn't think that that will look like a reduction um, in physical space in terms of the number of people at work and the number of people that you engage with in your physical space at work. Uh, but I think those changes are, definitely for those people who can't engage in remote working because of the nature of their role, they're still going to have changes to their employment experience. And so I mean, I've been banging on for years about the need to really individualize the employment experience and to not have cookie cutter approaches and to really think about the different journey maps that different people go through in their life cycle at an organization. And I think hopefully this will really, really ignite the need for organisations to think about the individual experience and what individuals need by role and employment type and not just cookie-cutter people into, you know, demographics like generation or um, gender or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I I, I completely agree. I I do want to circle back to uh, you've brought up the the topic of trust a couple of times. I I absolutely agree with you Uh, you know, and again, kind of drawing a parallel back to Tinder, uh, we learn to place our trust in truly an absolute stranger. Mm. <laughs> and if you actually ever meet the person, then you're really placing a lot of trust in the, in the absolute stranger. So noting that kind of the, the work environment is probably a bit safer for most people, what, what kind of trust and what kind of empowerment do we need to actually give to people leaders so that they can effectively lead you know, what are remote teams?
1: Yeah I mean I think we can possibly take some parallels from the dating world here right like if if we think about maybe an effective path if the if the goal is a relationship or you know uh, let's maybe say it's not even that serious but a number of good dates that that comes out of the the outcome of the engagement with Tinder then let's say the equivalent goal for an organization is a productive and effective and happy staff member you know, there's a, there's a path that we go on to get to that outcome. And in the dating world, it looks like, you know, starting with a profile. So we've got we get a little bit of an insight into these people, what they look like, what they want to say about themselves. And then we engage in some conversation and we it starts off like, you know, who are you? What do you do? Where are you from? And then potentially before we get to that outcome, we're finding out more about the person. And so, I think it's like, it's not just trust in the other person, but it's also trust in yourself and your own decision making capabilities and your own ability to kind of synthesize information as to choose whether you're compatible with that person. And so I think if we kind of go back to that digital emotional literacy, like I'm not sure if I've coined a new term there, but if I have, it's mine. Um, (laughs) It's sort of using. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Trademark. Um, it's sort of using the technology to to then engage as well your own emotional capacity, your own emotional decision making, and and the the, the paths that have worked for you in the past and achieved success to ultimately get to that outcome. So if we then draw the parallel back to an organisation away from the dating sense, um, I think it's about helping managers to understand you know we've got the profile of the person we know you know their role their job their tasks then we go through this journey of understanding a bit more about them on a surface level and you know these days with remote work you can see a bit about their house maybe you can see their kids running through their dogs so we're finding out some surface stuff but I think it's the next stage that's really important for managers of remote teams and it's about finding out that more deep stuff. So how is, what what motivates someone? Like, are, are they an intrinsic or an extrinsic motivated person? Um, what are their goals? What are their career goals? Where, you know, what are their operating styles and how what pushes their buttons? And I think in a dating sense, if you do it well, and again, I'm, I'm not a dating expert. I haven't dated for a long time. Um, but I, I think... If you do it well, you generally find out some of that compatibility factor stuff before you get to that face-to-face meeting. And so I think managers are really going to need to find out ways to to get this information out of people. Um, and it's not going to be by getting them to fill out a form that says, how are you motivated? Tick one of these. You know, it's, it's going to have to be through engagement and conversation and working together and you know, getting that understanding and then sharing it across colleagues in the team as well. So you can create that that team camaraderie, that team environment, even though you're physically not sitting in a pod together.
0: yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, if you think about some of the best or the worst corporate team building exercises, the the commonality is that everybody's in person. and you're you know you're learning a bit about one another or a lot about one another through the through those exercises. And so, your point is spot on, you know, when you remove that ability for people to interact and learn about one another in that way, you actually have to think about how to- How to replace it. ask questions, it. Yeah. sorry?
1: How to replace it. Like what, totally, what replace, yeah.
0: Yeah, com- completely. So Kate, final question, important one though. Uh, we've talked a lot about the role of technology. We've talked about you know, the, the role of the people leader, the role of the organization. What we haven't talked about is the role of the individual. In, in remote work. And I know that there's a huge number of people for whom remote work is still new. right It's not something that's kind of in their DNA. And a lot you know a large number of people report uh, decreased productivity. They might be working longer, they might be working harder, but their productivity uh, can tend to drop. And I'd be really keen to understand your perspective on, on how people, how individuals can find that, that passion or that fire and, and structure their days so that their productivity remains at, at the same level as it would if they were in the office.
1: Yeah, I think it's very hard at the moment I think we're expecting a lot of people a lot from people to be asking them to juggle the other things that are happening around a global pandemic as well as their work and so I guess in these current circumstances I would be saying to organizations and to managers go easy on people you know there a lot of my clients have had staff who've moved back home with parents because of rental pressures people with kids at home that they're homeschooling and, and caring from, from home when they normally would have outside help, there's a lot of pressures on people. So I think now in this particular time is a bit of an unfair measure of what productivity looks like. But I think in, if we think about moving forward and this becoming a, a norm that we might want to integrate into our normal ways of working and being as an organisation... Definitely the same care and thought that you give for the physical space at work should be given for your physical workspace at home. And so I think that's from you know, the technology setup, up, the systems that you use, the ergonomics, every single part of your workspace – and even if it's in this unusual time where you've got kids running around or dogs running around or whatever and you're constantly coming in and off mutes to try and minimise the noise to other people in the background, which we all know too well at this point, I think being able to have a, a set-up that is your space that yeah, you can, yeah. even if it requires you to pack it down at the end of the night so that work is done um, and you can kind of create that third space that you would normally have by commuting on the bus or the train on the way home or riding or walking home or whatever your thing is, um, trying to create that in some way with your new work from home rhythm is really important. And I know for me personally, and I think it is actually it's a really good thing to think about, you know, let's not just place all of the responsibility on the organisation, the employer, the, the people leader, the manager, because Individuals have their own responsibility as well. You know, at the end of the day, as employees, we're still getting paid our salary, we're still, um, you know, engaged in work with the organization. We have an obligation to return for that work. And I, I think you're right, a lot of people are maybe thinking about how they do this well and be productive, but perhaps without the tools um, that they've had to have before. And so, you know, I would applaud those people if they're making their own efforts to get better at this Um, and there's certainly a lot of um software tools that you can use to really amplify your your productivity and um, it's funny yesterday i was coaching someone and they were talking about we were talking about journaling and how that can be such a powerful tool to kind of in the moment if even if it's literally two or three minutes post a meeting to make a few dot points and um, and then to be able to reflect on those at the end of the day and they'd said, oh, I'm really not a diary pen sort of person. And I said, me neither. I use my notepad on my phone. Like you you don't have to, to journal these days. You don't have to. I think a lot of people associate the old way of doing it, you know, the, the diary and the pen way of doing it. But there's any which way of doing it, using apps, using your notepad, you know, simple as creating a draft email and then closing it at the end of the day, whatever works for you. I think use the tools at your disposal to, to do this stuff in a way that works for you is super important.
0: Such such great advice and insight, Kate. I, and, and just hearing you talk, uh, you've put in words kind of something I myself have done as I shifted to working remotely. Um, yeah. I actually, this is what a nerd I am, I've recreated my office at home I yes. bought, a, you know, an electric sit to stand desk. I bought, you know, the same chair that I have at the office. I bought the same monitor. I am a total nerd, um, but for me, that's and, created and this
1: creature demarcation of my space. Yeah, creature, you're bringing a creature comfort home.
0: Yeah, but for me, it also created this demarcation of, yes. you know, my my kitchen bench or my kitchen table or my lounge or my bedroom mm. are there for the purposes of living and I have a separate space for the purposes of working and that's helped me stay motivated but also really draw a clear delineation between you know what is work and what is home
1: and I think that's a challenge we were struggling with even before this time you know in terms of there's been a lot of talk for many years about people replying to emails, you know, as the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning in bed and the last thing they do before they go to sleep or while they're running or walking or at the gym on the treadmill. And so, you know, it's not a new problem for us to have a a very blurry line between work and life. If we're going to move forward with work and life being even more blurry because we don't have a separate physical space, We are definitely going to have to make efforts to create that separation, that demarcation. So I think you've definitely done the right thing in terms of your own productivity.
0: Well, the question is going to be how I sell this desk when I'm done with it. But that's that's a separate problem. Never
1: be done with it, though. Maybe maybe this is the future.
0: It just definitely doesn't match my home decor.
1: (laughs) That would be a real
0: problem. as always, it's just such a tremendous pleasure talking to you and the insights and the knowledge and the the future trends that you spot are just so incredibly powerful. I really am such a huge fan of you and the work that you're doing with Zest people. And I just really want to thank you for, for sharing your, your time and, and your insight with all of our listeners today.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a really good topic to chat on. I feel like perhaps my um, dating Tinder literacy has increased from this chat, not that it needed to. Um, and, yeah, this is a space that I'm I'm really passionate about in terms of the future of work and the experience that employees have in our organisation and just making it a, an, an excellent one. So it's been great to chat.
0: You too. And to everybody listening, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Hey, Kate. I'm not afraid of